New Brunswick government officials don't seem to care about mysterious brain illness. Alberta gives private healthcare contract to groups with political ties to the UCP. Violent crime rises among American children. And Brazil's Lula accuses former President Bolsonaro of genocide. Good morning. It's Wednesday, January 25th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First, to New Brunswick, where Canada lands Sarah Lorenick, sorry, Sarah, if that's not how your name is pronounced, has released the results of her investigation into how the province handled a cluster of progressive brain illness cases that appeared in 2019 and 2020. In 2022, the government of New Brunswick released a report that found that there was never a cluster at all. Lorenick's report is a must read or must listen. Of course, it's Canada land, so you can listen to it. It's detailed and covers the systemic and acute failures, the disinterest and callous political calculations made as dozens and dozens of folks suffered from this mystery illness. There may have been more than 100 people suffering from the, from the illness, based on letters from the Chief Medical Officer of Canada. Despite there being good reason to suspect that the illnesses were caused by environmental factors, anything from toxins in the water or air to the prevalence of cyanobacteria, or also known as blue-green algae, Potential environmental causes were never researched. Cyanobacteria was found in Moncton reservoirs in quantities that were higher than WHO recommendations. But Lorenic reports that there was never any connection made between the prevalence of cyanobacteria and the clusters of neurological illness. I encourage you to read the investigation. It's thorough and frustrating and frankly damning. Right down to the fact that there was federal research money promised through the Canadian Institutes for Health Research to investigate, and the province, quote, specifically asked for the funding application to be put on indefinite hold. Now, over to Alberta, where Kim Seaver of the Alberta Worker is reporting that Canadian Surgery Solutions, a for-profit surgery outfit, has won a contract with the Alberta government that will increase orthopedic surgeries done in Calgary. The company already has two facilities that operate in the city. Seaver reports that Canadian Surgery Solutions has the same senior officer as another for-profit company, Surgical Centers, Inc. That company is Edmonton-based and received a similar contract this past year to do similar kinds of work. Back in 2010, Surgical Centers, Inc. was given a contract to do 70% of Calgary's non-hospital ophthalmologic surgical services. Both Canadian Surgery Solutions and Surgical Centers, Inc. are owned by another company called Clearpoint Health Network, Incorporated. Seaver has great details about the various firms that these companies have used to lobby government to get more access to politicians and the political connections that some of these companies' leadership and lobbyists have to the United Conservative Party directly. But before you think that this is just an Alberta issue, it's worth mentioning that Clearpoint Health Network, Inc. has clinics in Winnipeg, New West, Vancouver, Laval, Regina, Etobicoke, and Saskatoon. That means they are operating in six different provinces. This is pretty interesting if you think of the fact that under federalism, because healthcare is a provincial service, no provincial agencies that are public would be operating hospitals in the same way from province to province. 
it's a funny way that gives the for-profit private providers an advantage because they're able to operate in multiple jurisdictions and learn different things and improve their practices. An advantage that no public agency that I can think of really has. Clearpoint Health Network is also owned by another entity. They are owned by Kensington Capital Partners, a private investment firm that, quote, has over $1.5 billion invested in private equity, venture capital, and alternative assets. Kensington's active management approach and relationship-based business has generated top quartile returns for investors, unquote according to the 2019 press release that announced the acquisition of Clearpoint Health Network. Thomas Kennedy, the chairman of Kensington, worked in management positions with Consolidation Coal and Alberta Energy Company. Clearpoint Health Network is not the only healthcare company that Kensington owns. They also own Deep Genomics, Global Premier Fertility, LifeSpeak, Quavella, Resolute Health, and Venus Respiratory. It's bad news, folks. It's it's very much the privatization of the healthcare system. And you might even be investing in them if you have any money that is being managed or invested in Kensington. As we are watching premiers look to the private sector to, quote unquote, solve many of the problems that have arisen or become worse because of the pandemic, we have to keep an eye on who owns these companies and what happens to the profits that they amass. Now to the United States, where after several decades of a decline in juvenile crime, the U.S. has seen an explosion of violent incidents perpetuated by children and youth. Homicide rates of juvenile offenders who acted alone rose 30% in 2020. Crime rates committed by multiple juveniles increased by 66%. 2020 saw the highest rate of children under 14 committing murder, the highest rate of youth killing other youth in two decades, reports the Wall Street Journal. Now, here are some city-based statistics. In New York City, 124 youth undertook shooting crimes in 2022. In 2020, that number was half, just 62 and down to 48 in 2019. In Washington, D.C., there were 214 firearm-related arrests of children, and in Philadelphia, there were 114 youths who were arrested for shootings. That number was up from 43 in 2019. The Wall Street Journal ascribes the increase to this, quote, police, prosecutors, and community groups attribute much of the youth violence to broad disruptions that started with the pandemic and lockdowns. Schools shut down, depriving students of structure in daily life, as did services for troubled children. Increased stress compounded by a swelling mental health crisis, social media conflicts increasingly turned deadly. Being the Wall Street Journal, they found someone who wanted to see a return to laws that automatically prosecuted 16 and 17 year olds as adults. They argued that there hadn't been enough punishment to discourage young people from committing crime. Youth advocates have fought back against these kinds of arguments and were the ones who originally fought to overturn these laws or promising to fight anyone that is trying to bring them back. I suspect this American news will trigger a wave of similar reporting in Canada focused on swarms of teenagers who are committing violent crimes. This past week, 10 to 15 young people swarmed and attacked TTC workers in Toronto And earlier this month, also in Toronto, 16 girls were charged with the murder of Ken Lee. Now to extremely upsetting international news out of Brazil. 
Yesterday, the country airlifted 16 starving Yanomami people for urgent treatment. Hundreds of Yanomami children have died as a result of malnutrition. The Yanomami live in the northern state of Roema and still live in relative remoteness from Brazilians on a reserve. But in recent years, more than 500 children's deaths have been linked to water pollution caused by mining and logging. Specifically, they were poisoned by mercury in the water. The BBC is reporting that after a visit by Brazil's President Lula, Lula said, quote, more than a humanitarian crisis, what I saw in Roema was genocide, a premeditated crime against the Yanomami committed by a government insensitive to suffering. He later said, I came here to say we are going to treat our indigenous people as human beings, unquote. The previous government allowed for more industry to operate and threaten the Yanomami. BBC reports that 20,000 illegal miners operate inside the Yanomami Reserve. In 2021, miners opened fire on Yanomami people. For Canadians, it's important to note that the community of Asupichu Suwiwagong, or Grassy Narrows, has been fighting for justice for years for the ravages of mercury poisoning caused by the pulp and paper industry. It's estimated that 90% of the population in this northwestern Ontario community experiences today still symptoms of mercury poisoning. Those are your headlines for Wednesday, January 25th. And before I sign off, I just want to give you a quick update. Last week, I reported about Post Media closing down community newspapers in Alberta and selling off property. Well, yesterday, they announced that they would be cutting 11% of their staff. As corporate media continues to cut and to cut and to cut in the service of profits, keep in mind that independent media like this podcast, like Sandy Nora, like Kim Seaver's Alberta Worker or Canada Land become even more important. And so make sure you're supporting us, sharing us, letting us know what you think. We'll appreciate it. And I hope you have a good day.